Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Naturalist Capitalist. Two live streams in one day today. Uh, it's good. We got uh, good stuff to talk about. Um, in case you didn't watch the earlier live stream, I have linked all of my videos over to Rumble from YouTube. So if you look in the description, I have all the links there. You can go follow me on Rumble if you hate YouTube or if you don't like Odyssey or whatever. Anyway, I got a good guest today. He's been on the show a few times. Uh, we've had our differences before. We've had our good conversations, bad conversations, all of it. And um, over the last few months, I've realized that he was right about a few things that I probably wouldn't have given him credit for a few months ago. So I wanted to have him back on. He is, of course, the host of the Pete Quinones show. Pete Quinones, how are you doing today, man? Thank you for having me on, Reed. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's, I, you know, man. watching your intro. It's so funny. I, I remember that you got Tom when Tom had his eye thing and he's wearing mm. the sunglasses. That's so <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he emailed me beforehand. It was like, hey, I totally spaced this, but I had LASIK surgery earlier today. Do you still want to do it? And I was like, I'll be the only guy to ever interview Tom Woods while he's wearing sunglasses. So I can't turn this down and, you know, wait for a later date. So we went ahead with it anyway. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, man, like I said, like we've had our disagreements in the past over things. And I remember we were uh, we were both at the Ron Paul Institute event in Texas a few months ago, and we were both watching um, Ryan Dawson's new mech film that he was screening for the first time. And I remember thinking, like, what the fuck? Like this guy and I have so much in common. Like we're both here in if we're both in this fucking room together, <laughs> like any differences we have are mostly uh, you know, they're, they're minimal. And, um, we've just, we've been talking over the last few months since then. And, uh, I've realized that you're, you're just, uh, you were right about some things that I didn't give you credit for originally. I mean, I wasn't right about them three years ago. So it's like, why am I going <laughs> to, you know, I'm just waiting for people to catch up. You know, I mm -hmm. think that if people didn't realize some things about 2020, especially yeah, there were, to me, there were, uh, a few events that really changed basically politics forever and it's covid uh the summer of the summer of love the summer of george um the 2020 <laughs> the, the 2020 election and january 6th and um you can even throw ukraine the whole ukraine thing in there because um that's when maga started believing the fake news again you know so there's a lot of things out there and I would hope that people would look at those and reconsider you know, the box that they're living in. Cause we all live inside of a box. It's just a matter of how small the box is. And, um, you know, it just, all those things made me realize, especially starting with COVID just turn the, it flipped the table for me that, um, maybe this box needs to expand a little bit. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing that, uh, kind of hit me over the head with a cinder block over the last couple of weeks was the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire tweeted out an image of Meghan McCain crying over John McCain's casket on August 25th, which, um, as many know, is the death anniversary of John McCain. And it was met with tons of backlash. And that was expected the, the backlash was expected. But so many people who I considered allies or people who stood in staunch opposition to these people and their policies 
came out moralizing about how awful it was that we would, um, you know, that we would spit on John McCain or his daughter on the fourth anniversary of his passing. And I think they're missing. Some of them are just missing the broader context here that Megan McCain is not like some, you know, waitress or uh, office worker or something that has no dealings with John McCain's, um, you know, policies, but she's someone who's advocated all his policies throughout her entire TV career. In some ways, she's more responsible for normalizing neoconservatism to mainstream people than John McCain was. Like John was signing legislation and voting for stuff, but she pushed these ideas on middle-aged housewives and soccer moms and normalized it to basically moderate America. And every um, every August 25th, we're all supposed to come together from the left and the right and, you know, have a somber meeting of the minds and all agree that it's just a horrible thing that this man has passed. And probably every August 25th, libertarians talk about how bad John McCain was, at least some of them, but it never garners attention. This time it was in national news. It was all over the Internet, made it into, um, you know, made it into the New York Post, into the uh the uh um yeah the the uh what's it called the union leader on the east coast like it was all over the place people were talking about it and it started a conversation about how horrible these people were and so many establishment libertarian figures came out of the woodwork to condemn this and defend the mccains and defend the mccain not not just like uh saying hey i think this is tasteless but saying like this makes you the same thing as what Megan McCain and John McCain are, or actually apologizing to Megan McCain and saying that this is a despicable, disgusting thing we're doing and we should all be ashamed. And it just made me question, like, how serious are you guys about fighting the state? Because that's what you always talk about. You always talk about, like, these are blood-soaked monsters and we have no respect for them. And then, you know, you finally get some national attention <laughs> mocking one of them and really going after them. And then everybody gets cold feet and takes a few steps back. I remember actually what prompted me to message you is I remember in 2021, when you had your Twitter account still, you made a tweet that said, if the Libertarian Party got designated as a terrorist organization, maybe we would be doing something right or something along those lines. I don't remember the exact wording, but it seems to me like this is the type of thing if we're going to be a movement and a party. And I know some of your thoughts have changed around this stuff. But if this is what we're going to be, this seems like the type of stuff we should actually be doing to garner attention and get a discussion going and show that we really actually fucking hate these people. But it didn't seem like that was the case. And I know this is something you've talked about before a lot, that these people, uh, they seek the approval of the regime more than fighting back against it. And I just realized that was a lot more accurate than I had wanted to admit before. Well, I mean, Lou Rockwell coined the term regime libertarian about these people. Um, just going back a little bit, I mean, John McCain not only like voted for every war and, and cheerled every war, he dropped bombs on the Vietnamese. Mm -hmm. He killed people with his own hands. So, I mean, he could have not done that. You know, he could have gone AWOL. He could he could have made sure they dropped in the wrong place. But no, he decided he was going to kill people. Sorry. Um, as far as these libertarians go is, 
you know, it's kind of hard to say you want to destroy the state, you want to destroy power, you want to do all of this and everything when you basically want to appear to be um, legitimate, you want to appear to be respectable. And I mean, really, if you're, you know, I hear terms like revolution. I mean, I'm old enough. I was there in 2007, Ron Paul. We were talking about a revolution. And some ugly language might be used during a revolution, you know, and those are different. Those yeah. are different times too. I mean, that's 15 years ago, you know, 15 years ago, it was like gay marriage wasn't even on the table. Now it's like grooming kindergarten children, you know, teaching kindergartners about, um, you know, gay sex. So, I mean, it's quite a leap in 15 years. I'm, I, I, I struggle with these people. It's, as soon as I mean, look, I'm jealous of you. I haven't been written up by the SPLC yet. <laughs> I mean, jeez, yeah. it's like everybody's like, you know, well, you left the Mises caucus. I'm like, the only thing I, I regret is because that article. I'm sure I would have been a huge part of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was like Dave actually. Dave and I were talking about that. He was like, you have to feel really bad about that. But <laughs> why would you? I mean, the SPLC. These people are monsters. The ADL are monsters. Um, the regime are monsters and all of these organizations are just arms of the regime or apparatchiks of the regime. Why would you apologize to them? You should do, you know, I, the one that I saw was, you know, okay. So her crying over the coffin. Have you ever seen the one of like the, the server coming up with John McCain? Oh yeah. Head? It's Donald and, Trump sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like yeah. the, the best one with that. And it's serving like her noodles is if you would have um, Photoshopped a, Vietnam, Viet Cong onto the, onto the server's head. Oh yeah, that would yeah. be perfect. I mean, I, I would put that out. I would tweet that every day. You know, I mean, if I had if I had an account that still had the kind of reach that um <laughs> that I yeah. used to, but it's you know it's one of those things where it's like okay, well, these are the people who are basically saying half the country are the enemy, and you know that they that they're sick. You know, that's the biggest the biggest problem is that they're. Paul Gottfried talks about the therapeutic state where you're what, what they're talking about is they're saying there's something fundamentally wrong with these people. And in their thinking, you know, in their being, what do you do with this? Do you, do you back off? Do you, you know, apologize? Do you get scared? I mean, sure. You know, I worry that they're going to come after me for some of the things that I say, but what am I going to, I'm going to stop saying it. You know, maybe, maybe I'll use some, maybe I'll use some words that, um, you know, I'll, you know, talk about, you know, blueberries or things like that. But you know, the, why, I don't understand this. I mean, can you imagine in the middle of a war where you're, you just, you're saying sorry to the enemy? No. Are you just apologizing? Oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, it's my bad. What, what do you, what's, we're in, we're in a war, man. These people want, these people want us suppressed. They want us shut up. And in many cases, I'm sure they want us shot up with drugs, you know, to try to figure out what's wrong with us and try, you know, psychi you know, psychiatric drugs, things like that. I I'm sorry. These people, any libertarian, anybody flying the libertarian flag who is apologizing to Meghan McCain, apologizing to the ADL, apologizing to any of these companies, SPLC. You're 
you're siding with the enemy. You're the friend enemy distinction is becoming pretty clear with these people. And you know, then you start to realize, you know, we have you don't have as many people on your side as you think, and you're probably going to have to make do with less people, and that's going to take a lot of strategy too. So yeah, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. And the thing is seeing the responses to that, it made me realize that um the incentive structure for like the new libertarian party under the mises caucus isn't a ton different than it was before like and that's a problem i mean the mises caucus the whole reason i got on board with the mises caucus was because i came i became convinced of the strategy that if we go against the grain and don't try to earn approval that's going to be more effective than trying to earn approval like Justin Amash is going to do or whatever. Like that was the whole point behind it. But now we're at the point where we're trying to do that again. Like some of the friction over this tweet was that people who might platform some of our people might get upset about it. I'm like, okay, but if you're going to be the Mises caucus and we're running not as populist, but like unabashed, like straight down the line, libertarian principled people or whatever, if that's really what we're going to do, we're going to piss a lot of people off who might otherwise platform us. So if the incentive structure with this new, like edgier libertarian party is basically the same, just toned down a little bit. I don't really get what the value is there. Well, one of the reasons that I, I started reading like James Burnham, the managerial revolution, and I really started looking into um, bureaucracy. And one of the reasons I started speaking out against, you know, most people don't realize I've never spoke. I've never spoken out against the Mises caucus, mm -hmm. their existence, what they do. I spoke out against the LP takeover. And here's why is because as soon as you take over a political party, which is basically a corporation, which is a bureaucracy, bureaucrats are in charge now. And bureaucrats, it, ideologues, you, you can't, it, try to go find a an organization that's run by ideologues that still has a very strong ideological message. Chronicles Magazine, Modern Age, they're all on the right. Um, even you know something like the SPLC, they don't have a very coherent message because they're leftists. They're all over the place. My mm -hmm. problem was I knew that as soon as you take over a bureaucracy, the people in charge, like you know, they. Put somebody when it when I heard oh this person's going to be treasurer I'm like he's a bureaucrat he's a bureaucrat he's going to be dictating the party message within three or four years because the bureaucrats always take over and push out the ideologues that's the problem that's the problem I had with it and when also when you have a bureaucracy when you have a political party I'm sorry it's part of the state it's part of the state apparatus and you are I mean imagine if the and we've said this i think aaron was my friend aaron was the first one who said this is said, you know imagine if the libertarian party got declared a, a terrorist organization and, you know and I, I you know i started using that i always gave him credit but i mean <laughs> how, how could that happen it's a bureaucracy <laughs> i mean you might have you, you may have some great tweets coming out every once in a while but Look what happened when you put those tweets out there. You know, this the the minimum wage tweet was beautiful. I mean, that's one of those ones that, you know, it's like I'm like, oh, makes my heart warm. You know, it's like <laughs> makes my day, you know, it makes my week in, in many cases. But 
you're a bureaucracy now and you're part of you're, you're expected to be respectable that that was my problem from the, well i mean i i saw it about midway through last year i, I was like uh, i don't know i don't know you know and i tried to be like hey turn it into a lobby group just like nagr or something like that and no one let you know it was like well no it's we need okay well i mean and granted what they've been in charge of it for what a couple months mm -hmm. still a wait and see process you know let's see what oh, happens yeah. but what we've seen yeah you know, what we've seen a lot of as far as messaging goes is you know um the official twitter account has had some had some good ones and um that caused mostly other like the left libertarians and the socialist libertarians whatever that whatever that's supposed to be um to go re but you know the the lpnh that's the one that you when you get the um the attention of like what was it um was it the times of israel or uh yeah jerusalem times yeah the jerusalem time oh that's beautiful that's beautiful mm -hmm. you want to talk about you want to talk about pissing off the enemy you went right i mean you shot right a dagger right into the heart of it that's amazing I love that. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, and to be clear, I'm also not given up on it yet, but it's just that mm -hmm. this is, I feel like we should be paying attention to how we react to this. Like this is an interesting moment and seeing how everyone's lost their minds over it is very telling. Um, if there is any hope for it, like I think we all, <laughs> we all need to pay attention. Um, so what, if you had to uh, if you had to describe like what 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 has been your evolution over the last several months since you left, what have you been pursuing more now that you think this strategy is going to be a failure? Well, I mean, I think I still think that talking about local politics is definitely the way to go. And from what I understand, that is what the Mises caucus is about. Cool. Um, but also I had remember them saying that you know national messaging would be you know would be not you know would attract attention mm -hmm. well some negative attention is good too come on i know i know this i know i have people that hate listen to my show that's that makes me <laughs> makes me laugh um uh, just focusing on local politics at this point in the places where you know you can win taking over taking over um city uh, city councils especially especially um school boards you got to take over school boards you know hoppa talked about in what must be done that like that was like the first thing once you got your pieces in place was to seek to privatize the schools um to defund the schools of state state money and to privatize the schools i think that's the most important i think that's where a lot of libertarians fail is sure the homeschooling your kids is the, is the most important thing. You don't want your kids anywhere near those schools, but your neighbor's kids are going to those schools. And in 20 years, they're going to be, you know, 15 years, 10 years, they're going to be soldiers for progressivism. And they, may, they could be trans soldiers for progressivism at that point. And they're going to want blood. And if you don't take over that local school, if you don't, if you don't fortify your local area from this, insane leftism and you know the regime it's part of the regime now you know you see you have a there's a, a, a an admiral with 
you know, calls herself a woman and has a penis, <laughs> you know, and there's a guy who's in charge of nuclear waste disposal who just like wears high heel, wears red high heels and is like a BDSM guy. And it's just like, okay, well, I mean, things are, looks like the regime has bought into this too. So I think localism is, um, localism is definitely where they should be concentrating all of, uh, you know, I would say 95%. Of, of their effort. And I've been told that, that that's, that is the plan. Like I said, it's only been a couple months, you know, they can't yeah. get all this off the ground. And I mean, we, our pack is, we, I've been talking about our pack for a year and we've finally gotten enough money to run Buck Johnson and, you know, in, in Lockhart. So it does, it's not overnight. I know it's not overnight. So, yeah. Yeah. Same. And I, I just think it's important to talk about when you have something like this happen to be like, Whoa, Hey, what's going on here? Cause to your point about localism, the pushback that we gave at LPNH was, look, we don't expect all of you guys at National or all of you libertarians to back us up on this, on every tweet we make. Like, if it's too far for you, fine. Like, don't say anything about it or say that you think it's too far. Whatever. We're not going to care because this is New Hampshire. This is the New Hampshire Libertarian Party. And yes, we're affiliated with you guys, but our specific goals in new hampshire are different than they are in minnesota right now right. like new hampshire we've nullified all gun laws already um they've removed that remember that child labor tweet that went out last year that yeah. caused a, uh, a few months ago they passed legislation that basically removed all child labor laws in new hampshire not all of them but a lot of them so that was a 10 on the richter scale when it was put out last year and now it's policy and so now, like a year from now, imagine what LPNH is going to be able to say or push for messaging versus what is reality or what's inside the window of allowable opinion. And that is localism. Like, OK, the National Libertarian Party can't say something like that. All right, cool. New Hampshire can and we get away with it. It didn't piss off any donors in New Hampshire. Didn't, you know, so if the incentive structure is like, look, we all need to have the same exact message and we all need to rein this in and figure out like what's going to build the organization as a whole instead of like, all right, look, we'll, we'll support the free state project for you guys in New Hampshire. As long as you in New Hampshire, like try to, you know, give us back some for LP national too. And instead of being like this decentralized movement, it seems like from the reactions over the last couple of weeks that it, the general desire is for it to become more centralized and less specific to location, which I that's see as a problem. That's what power does. Once again, once I started reading outside of libertarian, I, mean, I would say for a solid 13 years, all I did was read libertarian literature, you know, except for fiction here and there. But, you know, I didn't, once I started reading political theory outside, I realized, you know, you realize that power tends to, you know, even a little bit of power, but bureaucracy too, tends to centralize. Um, yeah, I would think that the Libertarian Party would want to run sort of like how the country ran under the Articles of Confederation, where you have 50 separate parties that basically make their own decisions. And then you just come together every once in a while for the sake of, um, you know, national messaging or something like that. And basically let the, you know, and, I mean, <laughs> there have been a lot worse. There's been a lot worse libertarian messaging. I mean, I remember a oh, vice yeah. chair. <laughs> I remember a vice chair being summarily, I think, dismissed over age of consent articles. 
you know, writing articles about age of consent. You know, so, I mean, when you're going after the regime or going after that country over there that controls the regime, basically, um, to me, that's what you have to do. I mean, it's what it's what the messaging has to be. It's the only thing that's going to wake people up to the problem. And if you have to be a little bit provocative, be a little bit provocative. You know, and I mean, don't do anything. Personally, what I would say is don't do anything that's going to completely you know the su- you know the subjects that are off limits. We've talked about. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You don't t- you don't touch those. Well, un- unless you're doing a minimum wage tweet, then you know have some fun with it. But uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, you have. To- I-, I don't see any other way but to throw bombs. I mean, I was saying that back when I- back in the beginning of last year when I was still all you know all up over all into the-, the takeover and everything is throw bombs. I mean, just chuck you know Molotov cocktails everywhere. And see what happens. And I mean, if you're getting articles written about you overseas, especially in that place, I think you're doing the right thing. I mean, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm LP. I hope they can do. I hope they can do localism and and do it really well. But um, yeah, man, if you're doing that, I mean, I was retweeting those tweets, you know. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, I've been retweeting a bunch of the LP national tweets that, especially the ones that um you know, get under people's skin because it's the way you get attention. It's also the way you wake people up. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the, <laughs> the idea of pacifying the regime in order to get their attention hasn't worked. So we obviously have to try um, something else. <clears throat> so um, I know some discussions we've had in the past, they've been over like whether the right, is more ready for this localism uh, message than they have been in the past. And you've, you've thought that they are more than I have. Um, The biggest thing that worries me, and I don't care who the next president is, if it's DeSantis, Trump, Biden, whatever, but it seems like that's where their focus still is. And you mentioned the war in Ukraine became a moment where they started believing fake news again. Has your perception changed at all? Or what have you, um, what have you realized over the last few months? Is it mostly the same or uh, what do you think? Well, I mean, I, to me, I think the right is definitely more, I mean, the right's more in line with my values. You know I mean? The left sure. is, the left is just absolutely insane. They're off the reservation. I mean, they're anti-nature. Half the stuff they talk about is just like, if you looked at it, if you, if you tried like held it up to nature, doesn't even exist it's just yeah and then they try to make oh well you know there were there were indian tribes that had trans oh, shut up uh, i don't want to hear that you can't even pre- <laughs> oh, who cares if it's true who cares um i i think the right is programmed like everyone else they've been programmed by the by the state by you know state education by indoctrination by their own uh prejudices and, you know, I still think that even after 2020, there, there are a lot of them who question policing now after 2020. You know, they saw them enforcing lockdowns. Um, they also saw, hopefully they saw a police officer shoot an unarmed woman on January 6th. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of them still look at, you know, policing as a, um, you know, police as a, as heroes. They don't know what they do. So I'm still trying to teach people about that. Um, military too. I mean, the military at this point is it's a joke. I mean, some of the stories that I'm hearing out of the military is just like, 
you know, I was, I talked to Scott Ritter and he told, I, I said, could, you know, if the United States military went and fought a ground war in Ukraine against Russia, would they win? And he's like, they would get slaughtered. It's like, they're just not ready. So maybe the Marines, but I mean, the other, it seems like from what I, I understand, the other one, or like, there's a lot of push for trans for transgender people to to join the military, and there's just so it's basically been now at this point, you know, when you have a an economy that's crashing, it's and it's always been a jobs program for a lot of people, but it's even more so now where you just have people. I mean, my cousin joined 13, 14, 15 years ago, um, and he it was a jobs program to him. He couldn't he had three master's degrees and he couldn't make a living. And he's just like, oh, I'll stay in here 20 years. I'll get my 20-year pension and I'll be out. I mean, he was un, he was um, a complete Obama supporter. And he's joining the military. So, I mean, that doesn't even make any sense. But the right, I think, I think locally, because especially if you can concentrate on local politics, you know, one of the big problems with politics these days is politics is completely national so you'll hear stories about people running for um running for sheriff in their their local town of 2000 and somebody will ask them what's their stance on abortion why why are, why are you asking a local sheriff what his stance on abortion is that is no bearing on anything locally right. so i think that you can guide i, I think it would be easier to guide a, a, a predominantly red area back towards local politics um, and get them worried about their own hometown, especially if you can convince them that you know, local politics at this point in time is probably the best bulwark against the regime, the national regime, the crazy leftism, the you know, these insane looking people coming that are going to be coming after your children, um, where the left is the where not everyone on the left, but the left is more organized. The left is more, they're less apt to speak out against their own people. They're more, they understand that what they crave more than anything is power over ideology because ideology doesn't exist in the real world. Ideology is, I mean, has conservatism ever been practiced politically? Has liberalism ever been practiced politically? It doesn't, if libertarian, if liber, a libertarian got elected president, it would not be practiced. So it would, you're basically dealing with a, you're, you're dealing with a machine that just goes forward as it always is. Um, but I think the right and right areas is just the place, the place to concentrate on. I mean, could you imagine trying to do like um, local politics, libertarian politics in the Bronx, in New York? No. I mean, come on, it's just not going to work, you know? So you have to pick, you have to pick your battles too. And I also realize I tell people I've been telling people for you know a couple of years to get out of cities, um, but you know people some people be like, well, you know, you also talk about tradition and my family's here and everything. Well, <laughs> you have to make a decision, man, because food. Anyone who's paying attention notices that the shelves can be a little bare when you go to the uh, you go to the supermarket, and the worst place it's going to be is if it does you do run into shortages is in the cities because truckers and they're not just not going to come in there because crime crime's going to increase and you know i mean you're i mean would you go into the middle of atlanta in a food shortage 
Would you would you yeah. deliver into the middle? Of, yeah, be like, screw this. I'm going in there. I'll quit first, you know. Um, yeah. So I, I think I still think the right is um, the right can be guided. I don't know that they, mm-hmm. you can change your mind, but I think that they'd be way more open to a message that contains libertarian um, um, libertarian ideals in it, not an overarching um, ideology, but some libertarian ideals of private property, things like that, self, self-defense, pro-gun. Um, that, yeah. I mean, the, the left is just not going to be there for it. Yeah, no, I've, I've come to agree with that. Um, and it's mostly, like you said, the rural right, the urban areas, are, which are mostly left anyway, they're kind of a lost cause. Um, and I've found it very effective to almost shame the right into being more mm-hmm. right wing. It's almost what, you know, Scott Horton says, like, attack the right from the right and the left from the left. It's kind of hard to attack the left from the left nowadays, but the they don't care. The, they don't care. Yeah. I mean, you just point, you just point out they're wrong and they don't care where the right, you can really shame them for supporting some institution that is, you know, um, brainwashing their children or something. You could be like, yo, you are not supposed to support this. This is why the enemy wins because you are too stupid to figure it out. And if you kind of have that aggressive messaging with them, that sometimes the scales fall from the, from their eyes and they're like, okay, yeah, you have a point. Um, and I I gave up in I'm trying to remember what month it really was where I started realizing that the country was not going to have any sort of massive awakening. Um, it was sometime last year. Uh, I think it was after the summer of 2021 kind of ended and we were headed into the fall. And then they started doing some of the covid stuff again when we thought it was like, OK, that might be done now. And then they started doing it again. I was like, oh. Um, I don't know if we're ever going to get out of this. And then um, in the beginning of this year, I finally decided, you know what? If I care enough about this stuff, I need to just move somewhere where people tend to agree with me, which, you know, I'm from New Hampshire. Originally, my family lives here, got friends here, can get work here, know the state very well. And it all just made a ton of sense. Um, and I don't know. I think that's where the battle is now, because um you know, there, there changes are going to be made. We're going to start becoming more drastically uh, separated by right and left wing or whatever. And so we can decide whether we want to remain irrelevant and, you know, just yell into the wind about how much both sides suck or whatever. Or you can find a place where people agree with you a little bit more and try to push them in the right direction. I know I'm just telling you what you told me a year ago, but <laughs> it's, it is true. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in Auburn now and you know, it's yeah, I, contrary to popular belief. I didn't move here for the Mises Institute. I moved here because it's a really nice town and it's the cost of living is, you know, you, you, if I drive an hour and a half up 85 to Atlanta, the cost of living increases by almost 50%. Mm-hmm. So, you know, coming down here was, um, it's quiet. Um, it's, I do have some I do have some friends here, some really good friends here. And I feel like I don't feel that Atlanta vibe that I was getting. Um, you know, I remember 2020 and we had riots and we had people, uh, you know, there were mur- there were murders in Atlanta that 
or really didn't make the news because how many of those murders did make the news? But um, yeah, so I, I really think that I think that, lo, you know, getting around people that you, you know, share values with and you share ideals with is really important, especially if you, you know, put together a plan. If you have some some kind of support network, some people would call it a mutual mutual aid kind of society. Um, my friend John Bush calls them freedom cells. And you just make sure that you're, you know, and if you want to do stuff politi uh, politics, uh, politics wise, then you know, the more local, the better. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think that, you know, I would like to hear a lot of people with libertarian sympathies talking more about, um, about really gaining power, like in basically just like, moving people out. I mean, there are some, we would know for a fact that there are some dangerous politicians nationally. I mean, these people are dangerous. They are like a threat to our existence. And that happens locally as well. You know, there are people who've been, were been elected 25 times um, unopposed locally, and they're still, and they're just, running the running the city into the ground those people just got to go by hook or by crook i mean when you look at um how so many politicians like i remember they said that um the way barack obama got elected in chicago locally for the first time was he basically got all of the people that were running against him disqualified i'm like sounds good to me <laughs> yeah, especially if you have good intentions. Intentions to me are all that matters. I mean, I've gotten to the point where as far as national politics goes, and I mean, this goes for local politics too. I mean, I really think the only way that you have real true liberty is that you get your friends elected. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I wouldn't worry about Washington. I wouldn't worry about Washington, D.C. if um, it, it was populated with people who thought like I did. As a matter of fact, I'd, I'd you know, probably wouldn't feel so bad about paying taxes or anything like that. You know, maybe mm -hmm. probably still would, but, um, <laughs> but you can do that. You can do that locally. It's much easier to do it locally, get your friends elected locally and just, you know, basically then you can whisper in their ear. They may not be the most, um, and they may not be up on a lot of libertarian points, like privatizing this, getting rid of the property tax, doing what, whatever needs to be done in order to do that um, in order to, make your local area more more free but um yeah i mean that's pretty much where people have asked me recently, i'm like we just got to get our friends elected to office and i think that that's the way we um do it i mean isn't that what what the free state project is all about yeah 100 <laughs> and yeah that's that's why i moved back um i mean you know, I've got a lot of disagreements with Andrew for popular liberty, but he did make some good points about incentives and the idea that everything is economics. And if people want a government or want a strong centralized state, they're just going to make it happen. You can't like wish it away from them. They'll always get what they want. So you just have to go with people who don't want that <laughs> or people who want the same things as you if there's going to be a state. Um, and you know, New Hampshire leans more toward just deregulation and getting rid of stuff. And that's the way I lean. So I just moved here, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, um, you know, I've never 
had high hopes that, or I, I shouldn't say never, I'd say years ago, like four years ago, um, or not four years ago, probably three, two or three years ago now, like I still had the idea of like electing someone to president who would be able to start tearing this apart from the top down and turn the country around. I don't have any, <laughs> I don't have any misgivings that that's a possibility anymore. Um, and I realized that that's almost like a neoconservative approach to changing the country, you know, trying to gain the throne and then undo it from the top down. The best, the most effective way to do it is obviously to take over your local um, government and then your state government and then eventually try to be a beacon of, you know, freedom or be an example to the other states. And if you're really doing things well, maybe they'll want to follow suit. But this idea of like trying to turn California around now after how insane they've gone over the last couple of years or turn, yeah. <laughs> you know, New York around, like it's just not going to happen. Just let them self-destruct and move somewhere where they're going to, uh, you know, respect your way of life. It's, it seems obvious, but I don't know. Yeah. I have no, yeah, I have no problem leaving California. I think people should, um, you know, all the good people should get out of California and all the good people should get out of New York and let them just, I mean, I, I've always joked half, half jokingly, you know, just build a wall around it and let them eat each yeah. other. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I think that local can be done and I think you can get to state Um, you, you can get up to state, but national national would take um coordination at state levels first. You'd have to be mm -hmm. for for years. You'd have to be putting, um, putting things in place. It's at, at the state level, or if you just had a Caesar who went in there and just started. I mean, just was like, okay, kill me if you don't like this. But boom, I just dismantled the State Department. It doesn't exist anymore. The State Department is me on Zoom right now. That's mm -hmm. that's it's gonna me. I talked to the president of Belgium or the prime minister. I don't know what they have in Belgium. Never been there. The beer's okay. Um, <laughs> then you. And you do stuff like that. It's like, okay, the Pentagon, it's a museum now. I mean, if you had someone, but that would take, you know, Trump talked about that draining the swamp and he went, you know, he was, like, Oh, I'm going to go. Then he just started hiring the swamp. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could see getting somebody that ideological in and we've seen it in history. I mean, especially when degeneracy starts popping up all over the place, you have guys very well dressed who, um, you know, take over and or like and people if people are if enough people are upset at the degeneracy and ever and the the corruption that's happening they will back this person and you know and it, people always ask um you know people always want to talk about what happened they don't want to ask why it happened you know? yeah, <laughs> so, well, yeah let's get let's get explicit on some of that because I, I think you and i've talked about it it's important to realize why germany went the way it did in the 30s uh it didn't it's not like everyone just started hating jews and wanted to take over the world suddenly that's <laughs> that's a childish way to look at yeah, it yeah. and you've been doing lots of episodes with uh thomas 777 i haven't watched all of them i've watched bits and pieces of them well there's people 19 need... i don't expect most people to yeah. watch all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an incredible um it's, it's an incredibly um you know, relevant topic because the United States is in a very similar situation. Like people will choose that over our current trajectory. They'll choose, they'll choose um, authoritarianism and fascism and all that 
over uncertainty. The uncertainty is what scares them. And then also the complete lack of regard for any sort of cultural norms or whatever. It's going to shock people into choosing something that's really ugly. But um, what are those series you've been doing about and what are you trying to get people to realize about the current times? Well, I mean, everything, the rise of the National Socialists was basically over World War One and the Treaty of Versailles and basically the um, just the raping of the country. I'm reading a book right now called uh, Blockade, and it's a diary of a woman who was living in Austria in 1918 and having to ration ration food because um, the American British blockade has basically cut them off. And a lot of this happened and they didn't forget about it. I mean, they weren't going to forget about it overnight. So um, 1920 comes along and basically like the Soviets who have just, they're three years into their reign in, uh, in, in Russia, this communists start pouring into, um, into Germany and they start fighting in the streets and you have the KDP, which is, you know, communist party of Germany. And then, all of a sudden, Weimar, which is the Weimar Republic at the time, you have all these people who can't feed themselves, all these people who, so you have on the streets, you have child, male and female prostitution. Um, not only that, you have you know, the inflation of the currency. Not only that, you have um, Magnus, um, <laughs> Magnus Hirschfeld opens up a clinic there where he starts doing transgender surgeries. And, you know, it, the clinic doubles as a gay brothel. And the country, this country that, that comes out of the Prussian Empire, and a great book on that is um, Iron Kingdom, which goes back to the 1600s and goes all the way forward to 1945. Um, this great kingdom, this proud kingdom, these proud people are completely destroyed. I mean, they're just, they, they, they look around and they can't, they don't even recognize what their country is and someone pops up and says hey we are a we are a great german people this is our history and we can't allow this to be done and you see as early as 1920 1921 um people who will become the national socialists are fighting in the streets with communists and killing people ernst Rahm is out there you know mm -hmm. going going head to head with commies in the street and just murdering them because I mean that's what it had it had become a war zone, and someone comes along and says, "Hey, someone comes along and says, "Hey, remember America? Remember what America used to be? Remember how prosperous we used to be? Remember how peaceful it used to be? Remember how remember how much a, a, a house used to cost? Remember when property taxes were nothing? Maybe we should go back to that. Remember when no one was pressuring your Tom girl." you know, your, your Tom girl, teenage, a uh, tomboy, teenage daughter to transition and, you know, chop her breasts off. Remember that? Remember? Why don't we go back to that? And things happen. Yeah. You know, pe people, people start getting upset. I'm upset. I'm, I'm, I mean, I really want to see these people suffer. I, I, these, these people are monsters. They are everything they they stand for goes against nature and what they're where they're taking us to if they if they're not stopped i mean think about where we are right now think about where we were in 2020 think about where we are now two years down the line if somebody if 
people don't start speaking out against us 10 years down the line. Where the hell are we? You know, and then mm -hmm. I will bring it, I will bring it to this. What answer do libertarians have for this? This is a hundred over a hundred years of social engineering, social mm -hmm. engineering, social engineers in, in, psychiatric in psychiatric in psychiatric hospitals in colleges who have brought this who created this and brought this into and made it a part of the zeitgeist made it a part of who we are what answer does libertarianism the libertarianism in a box no aggression no powers immoral what answer do you have for this because it's just going to get worse unless you give up on that bullshit it's a fucking fantasy I used to talk about it. I used to, I mean, I freaking have a documentary about, about where we talk about the non-aggression principle, where we talk about, uh, you know, anarcho-capitalism. Does anybody in their right mind who's not a retard think that we can have a narco-capitalism in this country after the last two years? Hmm. This is why, I'm, this is why people hate me because it's like, I'm sorry. You know, it's, was that, um, what's the meme? What, what, what? I'm, I'm telling the truth. You know, it's like, I'm, th yeah. this is what's they happening. Because you, you tell the truth. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah. what, what the, I'm telling you the truth. How are libertarians going to fight back against the transgender agenda? What, by ending the state? Okay. How do you do that? By ending public schooling? Oh, how do you do that? Come on, people. I, I, I'm guilty of this. I am guilty of this. I, I'm embarrassed by the, you know, who I was in 2017, 18, and 19, and into 2020 by some of the stuff I was talking about. Because none of that, none of that can stop what's coming. And you know, I, I actually think that, maybe not in my lifetime, but in your lifetime, that you could have a city that was most, mostly private. You know, where mm -hmm. almost everything's been privatized, you know, you still have a government because people want the government, you know, and market forces are <laughs> market forces are, are, very, are very powerful things. Um, but that's not going to happen unless there's like you're doing insane. You, you are working really hard because when you go to do that, even at the local level, you're going to have people coming in from outside who are going to see what you're doing and they're going to want to fight against it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, and I, I agree, we could, you know, we could have anarcho-capitalism, but not in our lifetime. And when I quote Walter Block, who said, we're going to need, we're going to need a shift in evolution in order to have anarcho-capitalism exist in this world. You know, I, people get upset at me and then start talking about, you know, well, does, does this person agree with you on that? If this person doesn't agree with you on that and they're still talking about it, then they're, you know, then they're immoral. And I, I mean, the people can talk about what they're people can talk uh, people could talk if you want to say say you know i would love to have anarcho-capitalism but it ain't gonna happen so this is what we have to do <coughs> good i'm i'm down with that i mean i would love mm -hmm. to have yeah i would love to have a um a private law society but we have some other stuff we have to work on first we change you know it's the, the i always talk about the underpants gnomes from from south park collect underpants profit well what's number two i mean obviously in that it's distribution but what's number two what is what is um openly advocating for pedophilia and transgenderism to private law society what's that middle thing how do you get there 
And that's the only question libertarians um, should be answer uh, should be asking. That's the, that, that's the problem they should be trying to figure out. And I don't see anybody talking about that. I mean, sure, you talk about localism. That's only to me. That's a stopgap, but it can also build. You can also build that to something else. But a lot mm -hmm. of these people aren't even talking about that. They're not even talking mm -hmm. about localism. They just think all of a sudden the state's going to fall and then everyone's going to choose anarcho-capitalism. Well, yeah. in 2020, there was there was a, a virus that was talked about and nobody wanted nobody came to the libertarians for answers. They as a matter of fact, they made tweets making fun of libertarian, libertarian saying up oh, libertarian in a, in a pandemic. You know, it's like. You know, libertarian a pandemic destroys libertarianism, and it kind of does. It kind of <laughs> did. You know, you know why? Because what was the, what was the answer? What what would have been the libertarian answer to that pandemic? Nothing, because they didn't have power. All right. Until they get power, libertarianism is just a theory. It's just a theory. And <laughs> get power, people stop being so allergic to it you power corrupts absolute power corrupts absolutely i like bumper stickers too but come on we'll look at the world yeah. we're living in if you don't do something now look at the progression we've had how much worse does this get yeah I'm sorry no, no, no. I, I agree with you. And, you know, new hampshire is one of the only places libertarians have any power and it's the only place that they're constantly protested against and constantly vilified in the media N new hampshire newspapers are calling us vermin that need to be exterminated <laughs> you know like if anyone's you know upset about something right <laughs> exactly like i that's the greatest thing they can be saying i'm so glad that they're saying and that those about us. and the first libertarians that we talked about the remember the, they would be they would see that headline and that headline would bother them oh yeah of course like yeah. to me, that's the biggest endorsement we could ever oh, get. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, you know you're doing something right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, something else you've said in the past that you're 100 right about is you know libertarians need to be impressive or at least you know capable of being a normal person or holding a steady job or something. And so many of them aren't. It's it's ridiculous. Like um, all the interesting libertarians of the past have had some sort of accomplishment. They've been very well-read, very smart, wealthy, whatever it is. And a lot of, I mean, you look at the average libertarian nowadays, that's no, those are not the adjectives that come to mind. Um, and the, uh, the message of like taking care of yourself so that you can take care of people around you is so imperative and people don't listen to that at all. But I was wondering if you wanted to expand on that a little bit. Sure. I, a friend of mine walked up to me at Tom Woods 2000 and, um, you know, young man, I'm not going to mention his name. Um, he said, I was talking of sitting there at a table with some people. This was a couple days after I stayed a few days after, and we were talking and he's like, I want to run for a local, local office. I'm like, do you work a job? Are you, you know, are you working at a job? Do you have to, I'm not saying that you have to be independently wealthy to run for office. I'm saying it helps saying not having to, you know, uh, that's why I say that natural, what Hoppe calls natural elites, um, those are the people that should be, if not running for office, it should definitely be the people guiding the people who are running for office. Um, I mean, I've, you know, 
what's a bigger meme than watching the pictures coming back from like a libertarian event where there's like um like it's not like libertarian national convention um the, um was it this year yeah this year i mean there were that thing wearing butterfly wings the people who you know just i mean who's going to follow these people mm-hmm. who's going to follow these people i'm not saying that you have to be brooks brooks brothers you know it just but <laughs> come on you have to be you have to be respectable i mean if you're not somebody somebody wants to follow or you know, even better somebody wants to be if somebody wants to be like you yeah you know, I, I talked to tom woods I hang out, yeah. I hang out with Tom Woods. That's an impressive human being. Mm-hmm. That is somebody that everyone should aspire to be like. The way he talks, the way he stands, and you know, the knowledge he has, and what he's done to grow wealth and be able to exist outside the system. I mean, that should be one of your. That should be your first goal more than anything, especially if you plan on having a family. And I think that's one mm-hmm. of the. And guilty, okay, guilty right here. That's one of the biggest problems with people who don't have families is they have no, their, their motivation is only to their own. And they can, when you, when it's just you, you can get by, you know, you can just get by and you'll be happy. And I I just think that there should be more, you know, know, the whole meme. I mean, I've seen this, I've, I've seen this um, where they'll say, oh, you know, libertarians, someone said this recently, uh, libertarians are born on second base and, you know, they they were giving something and they got to third and they they made they made it to home plate and they think they hit a home run or something like that basically mm-hmm. saying that like everyone who's a libertarian is a privileged rich kid i friggin wish yeah no kidding yeah, i friggin <laughs> wish you know yeah you the people i mean and i made fun a little bit of the fundraising to get people to reno mm-hmm. just because i knew that that was a necessity if it was something where it was like right from the start it was like you know we don't want people spend their money out of their own pocket to get to reno so we're just gonna you know all of our delegates we're gonna make sure they get there we're gonna do this huge fundraiser or whatever um so people don't have to take money out of it but no but this was actually for people who were couldn't 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 afford to get there you know it's like and if you can't afford to get there I mean, that's one of the, I I was going to go. I did not want to spend the amount of money that people were telling me that they were spending on like hotels and Airbnbs and flights. I was like, I'm Mm -hmm. not, I'm going to, I'll go to Texas and go to Childerberg. (laughs) That's what I was doing that weekend. You know, I was like, I'm hanging out, hanging out with my buddies on the Colorado. And um, yeah, yeah, I just, and I don't, you know, I don't really call myself a libertarian anymore. I, there are libertarian values that I, I consider to be dear, but um, I realize people still consider me to be libertarian adjacent, and probably a lot of my audience is still um, still holds libertarian values. But um, I'm I'm working every day to try to get be more impressive as a human being, reading mm-hmm. more, working out more, trying to eat a lot better, um, maybe even wear a pressed shirt when I go on a um, when I go on a podcast or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it just seems like some people should want to be like you. People should want to follow you. And that's not something that, I mean, you go back and read, go to Un's report and go to, go to Un's website and read some of Murray Rothbard's old articles about going to libertarian party events. 
it hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. There's he's like there's nobody impress there's just no impressive people here you know and I mean you know I, but I will say this you know and um, Dave and I talked about this that it is impressive that basically one of the only organizations that it seemed have been dewokeified in the last ten years is looks like the Libertarian Party has gotten that way and they still mm -hmm. but they still have, they still have a long way to go and. Yeah. Um, you know, but but it's like I said, you know, and let me say this again. It's only been two months. I'm not expecting any I'm not expecting to see anything after a couple months, after three months, after four months. Um, but the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire should be allowed to tweet what they want. And if they get <laughs> and if they get if they get written up over in um, in hell, that, that country in hell. Um, that's so good. I, mean, I was so proud. I was so proud of you guys. <laughs> I really was. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, uh, I agree. Like I, I, um, you know, I haven't lost faith in the whole thing or whatever. I, I still think Dave running for president, you know, I, I understand the detractors, why they think people are going to put too much time and effort and are going to be disappointed. Like, I don't expect Dave to win. I don't even necessarily expect to get attention for it. We'll see what happens, but it's something I'm still very interested in. And, I have the time and money to, you know, be behind that. It's something I still want to see happen, but just, you know, I think we should be taking note of, you know, when things are headed in the wrong direction before we even get there. I mean, the people that this type of this stuff upset and everything it threw into a tizzy, it's like, guys, if this is enough to throw us into a tizzy and hang the whole thing up, like we're not, we're not ready to take on, um, you know, we're not ready to take this on from a presidential campaign standpoint. But um, yeah, we'll 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 see what happens. Sure. Uh, Pete, it was great talking to you again. Thanks. Rick. Um, let's talk again soon. Uh, where sure. can people keep up with your work? Uh, the Pete Yona show. I'm still on YouTube. I don't have any strikes right now. I don't know how that. I don't know how the hell that happened. Well, there are there are select episodes that don't go up on YouTube. I'm sure. <laughs> I know <laughs> when a certain group gets mentioned too many times in an episode, it's like eh, it's not going up on YouTube. Um, but all the podcatchers and then PeteSubstack.com. Yeah, how many? How many? Uh, what number of Twitter account are you on now? By the way, <laughs> six. I think. Six. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I tried uh, to. You know, when the whole when the whole uh, Musk thing was happening, I remembered my login from my original Twitter account, my two thousand nine Twitter account, and I tried to appeal, and they were like, "No, no," <laughs> <laughs> like still no. <laughs> yeah no they're not gonna let me back on either i've i think i've made five now i got i just got my fifth account banned the other day and i'm probably done for a while i don't know i can't even and this last one i wasn't even didn't have any links to my show no pictures of me no i mean people who know me could tell like oh yeah that's reed but um yeah, yeah. you know it, it still got nuked so i, I, already, I can't put I my head above water well, I think one of the reasons why it's not hard for me is I always know that it's going to happen. So I always build up a back. I always have a backup ready to go. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I mean, I have a backup out there that I've I've actually like went into some of the more um, controversial threads on you guys and and LP National and uh, mm -hmm. commented, commented with my backup and already got some blocks on that one, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, yeah, let's talk soon. Keep up the good work. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you.